Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Is working in your hearts. Even though I might be up here and not feel that he's moving, we are trusting that the Spirit of God and the Word of God are working in you and on you and through you in the way you treat each other. So as a staff, we just absolutely are leaning into this morning. We've prayed for you, and we believe that God is working. A quick audible. I know uh, many of you are recurring givers, but we don't want to rob those of you from the joy of giving. We have two baskets on either side of the speakers. For those of you that came and said, I want to give my offering to God and his mission and work in the world, When we're all done, you can just come up and and drop an offering in there if you feel so led to support us. And thanks to all of you for your support over this last, what, year, year and a half. We're in a series called Lost and Found. I don't know if you brought your Bible, but uh, Luke chapter 15. Some some say, Max Lucado is one of them, this is the greatest short story that's ever been written. If that doesn't grab your attention, the greatest short story that's ever been written, that's that's quite a declaration. And it's called a parable, which for those of you that aren't familiar with the New Testament and the genre, a parable is a short story that teaches a moral or a spiritual lesson. It gives us insight into the heart of God. It gives us perspective of the kingdom of God, of the way that God works, and into the heart of God. And in this story, it's uh, it's called The Prodigal Son. Tim Keller has written a book called The Prodigal God. He says that, 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 that we should really be calling it The Prodigal God. It's not one son that's lost. It's the, really the story of two sons that are lost. Most of us, when we read this story... It just becomes so obvious that the younger son who's reckless, who's rebellious, who demands his share of his inheritance before his father dies, and then he goes off to a far country and it says he squandered it in wild living. Now, most of us would go, that son is lost. But today, we're going to look at the older brother, who most of us kind of go, you know, he's responsible, he's hardworking, he is a rule follower and a rule keeper, he's, he does the right thing. Most of us say, how could, how could he be lost? And really, Jesus' point that he's making in this story is to the older brothers, because he was speaking to an audience that, that uh, right there in front of him were the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the rule followers. And he was saying through this story, hey, you guys are lost too. In fact, Tim Keller in his book, he said that those that were listening to this story were not touched and brought to tears, but they were actually infuriated and offended and really ticked off at Jesus 
because he was calling them out. He was actually pointing a finger at them and saying to them, you're actually blind. The fact that you can hear a story like this and say, oh, that's not me. I don't connect at all. What Jesus is saying is, "Uh uh-oh, you are in spiritual trouble. You are in a place where you might be blind. So before you put up your wall this morning, I want to pray that you would soften your heart. Let me do that. Father, right here, right now, every heart, including mine, God, would we hear, might we hear your voice through this story? And rather than harden our hearts, I pray that we would soften our hearts and be responsive to you like we heard through Felicia and Craig. May we be responsive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. My daughter Shannon, uh, many of you know her, not all of you, she's... 27, 28 years old. I have a really strong, healthy, great relationship with her. But sometimes I can get critical like any dad. Sometimes I can be grumpy like any parent. Sometimes I can be abrasive. Anybody else get critical as a parent, grumpy or abrasive? Would you just raise your hand? Just raise it real high so I'm not feeling alone. Yeah, okay. So when I get that way, we kind of have this, it's like an inside family joke. It's it's her way of teasing me, but also sending me a statement. And this is what she says, Dad, after she sees me being abrasive, she'll say, Dad, who hurt you? (laughs) Who hurt you, Dad? Now just sit in that. Sit in the truth of that. You've heard it said, hurting people hurt others. Wounded people wound others. It was Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr, who said, if if we don't let God touch us and and transform our pain, if we don't let God touch and transform our pain, we will transmit it to others. If I don't somehow figure out what is going on in my life, where was I hurt? Who did hurt me? There's truth in that statement. I'm going to transmit that pain to my family, to my church, to my friends. It leaks out. And this morning we're looking at an older brother in this story. Let me read the story for us. And as I read it, my t- my, the title of my message is The Impact of a Wounded Spirit. Life Lessons from the Elder Brother. The Impact of a Wounded Spirit. So after Jesus tells the story about the younger son who went to the faraway land, squandered the wealth, he came to his senses, he was in the pig pen in the mud, right? You remember that? And he comes home, and while he was a long way off, the father sees him, runs to him and sit and declares we're going to throw a big party kill the fattened calf put a robe on him the ring the whole thing and now in verse 25 it says so they began to celebrate the party is going on because the younger son who was lost has been found verse 25 meanwhile the older son was in the field when he came near the house he heard music 
and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and he asked what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. He became angry and he refused to go in. He became angry. Why? He refused to go in. Pouting, stubbornness, confused. He refused to go in. So, what does the Father do? And remember, this is a parable. This is going to teach us what God's like. God the Father, what's he like? It says, so his Father went out to him. Gosh, I love that. We're going to talk about the Father in a couple weeks, but... The father went out and pleaded with him. That gives you a peek into God the Father's heart for us. No matter where we are spiritually, no matter how religious we are, God the Father looks at us and he pursues us. I just love that. Verse 29, but he answered his father. And now these are the words in the heart of a wounded spirit. Listen to these words. This is the young or the older son responding to the father who's gone out to him and pleaded with him, "Come to the party. Come to the party. Come on." And this is what the younger son says. He says this in verse 29. Uh, but he answered his father, "Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders." Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he's distancing himself there, right? You feel that language? Not this brother of mine. I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm better than this family, right? This son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Verse 31, my son, the father said, you, 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 you put your own name in there, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. And be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. So we're going to talk about the impact of a wounded spirit. 2,000 years ago, back in the ancient Near East, the oldest son would have been responsible to help reconcile the wayward siblings to the father. If any of the siblings were rebellious, lost their way, turned away, ran away. It was the older son, the eldest son's responsibility to be part of brokering reconciliation, to be a healer, to be a unifier. But even though this older son in this story stayed home, he doesn't do that. He doesn't seek to unify. He doesn't seek to reconcile. 
He doesn't seek to be a healer. He stays home. But what Jesus is saying, the point that he's making, now hear this, he's saying, the older son is equally as lost. What? Equally as lost as his younger son. Equally as alienated from his father. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying there are different ways for us to become lost. It's not just through rebelling and being defiant and shaking our fist at God and running away from him. There's another kind of lostness that Jesus is talking about here through religion and rule following, where we're doing the right thing, but with the wrong motives. Our hearts are far from God. We're dutiful. We do things out of duty, but there's no relationship. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying both of my sons in this story, both of these boys are lost. So let's talk about, I just have three little reflections. Living with a wounded spirit. It hurts us personally, it hurts us relationally, and it hurts us spiritually. That's that's the outline this morning. Living with a wounded spirit hurts us personally. Verse 39, or verse 29, is what it says. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. That's what the older brother tells the father. Notice what he doesn't say. Dad, all these years you have been such a great provider. I am so grateful to you. I am so honored to be your son. I really respect you. I really look up to you. Instead, he says, all these years I have been slaving. Slaving. That's interesting language. In terms of defining a relationship, this son. But it gets worse. He says, and never did I disobey your, what's the word? Orders. Orders. Orders? Is that how he viewed the father-son relationship? Orders? I wonder if that's how you view your relationship with God the Father. It's just, I'm a dutiful servant. I just have to volunteer at the church. i got to make sure I go to church. Make sure I serve. But there's no connection. It's kind of a going through, doing the right thing, going through the motions experience. But then he keeps digging. And you never, I'm just going to put that in all bold caps, you never gave me even a goat. Who who uses that kind of language, that Never language. Only somebody who's keeping score. Only someone who's measuring and comparing and counting. And that's the point that Jesus is getting at. This elder brother has all the symptoms of a person like you and me that walk through life with a wounded spirit. He's filled with anger, jealousy, bitterness, Resentment, negativity, sarcasm, his words, they're critical, they're condemning, they're condescending. What's he feeling? He's feeling insecure, he's feeling disrespected, he's feeling unappreciated. 
Now just sit right there in those feelings and those words. I wonder if you can, can or have felt that. That wounded spirit. That chip on your shoulder. Questioning God's grace. Scrutinizing God's decision making in your life. I wonder if you look around and you're not going to tell anybody this. You'd never admit it, but you actually do feel better than others. Superior, smarter than others. That's the older brother syndrome. Tim Keller tells this story that I'm going to read for you. He actually is quoting Elizabeth Elliot. And he recounts this, it's called an apocryphal story, which means it's not in the Bible. Uh, But it's a story about Jesus that conveys the difference between a results-oriented selfishness and a faithfulness that's born out of love. So it's a responsiveness to God either out of selfishness, I'm going to obey God because then he will bless me, I'll get something from him, or I'm going to respond to God because I love God. And I want, I want him to know I'm a yes, whatever he wants. And here's, here's the story. One day Jesus said to his disciples, I'd like you to carry a stone for me. He didn't give any explanation. So the disciples looked around for a stone to carry, and Peter, being the practical sort, sought out the smallest stone he could possibly find. After all, Jesus didn't give any regulations for weight and size, so... He put it in his pocket. Jesus then said, follow me. He led them on a journey, and at about noontime, Jesus had everyone sit down. He waved his hands, and all the stones turned to bread. He said, now it's time for lunch. And in just a few seconds, Peter's lunch was over. When everybody else had finished their lunch, Jesus told them to stand up. And he said again, I'd like you to carry a stone for me. This time Peter said, aha, now I get it. So he looked around and he saw a boulder. He hoisted it on his back. And it was painful and it made him stagger. But he said, I can't wait for supper. Jesus then said, follow me. He led them on a journey with with Peter barely being able to keep up. And around supper time, Jesus led them to the side of a river. He said, now everyone throw your stones into the water. And they did. And then he said, follow me. And he began to walk away. And Peter and the others looked at him dumbfounded. Jesus sighed and he said, Don't you remember what I asked you to do? Who were you carrying that stone for? Who were you carrying that stone for? And then Tim Keller explains, Like Peter, 
Elder brothers expect their goodness to pay off. And if it doesn't, there's confusion and rage. If you think goodness and decency is the way to merit a good life from God, you will be eaten up with anger since life never goes as we wish. You will always feel that you are owed more than you are getting. You will always see someone doing better than you in some aspect of life, and you will ask, why this person and not me after all I have done? And this resentment is your own fault. So sit in that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, right? (laughs) Wow. So thinking about our relationship and carrying around a wounded spirit and having mixed motives of why we follow God, I guess what I would want to say in reflecting on this first point, that living with a wounded spirit hurts us personally, I want you to know that God the Father, as you read the New Testament, he wants a very, 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 very different kind of relationship with you. He wants you to move from just being a rule follower to having and being close, having your heart open and tender. He wants to be deeply connected to every one of us. And I would just say, you know, just that song we sang, even though you can't see it, even though you can't feel it, he's working. He is here in this place by his spirit, ready to heal your wounded, your critical spirit. Right here, right now, we can turn towards him in faith by just saying, God, just in the quietness of your heart, God, I need you. I am walking around with a wounded spirit. I do have a chip on my shoulder. I do have anger that's that's down in there that comes out. I am transmitting my pain to my kids, to my friends, to my wife, to my husband, to my children. That's the first reflection. The second is living with a wounded spirit hurts us relationally. I was talking to my friend John Jenks. Many of you know him. He's a covenant pastor as well and one of the campus pastors at Samarkand. But he gave me this insight. He said, uh, I wonder if the younger brother wasn't just running away from his father. I wonder if he was running away from his family from his big brother. So think about that. Being around the big brother who was right about everything. Being around a big brother who could never admit he has some flaws. Being around a big brother who looked down on others, was sarcastic, judgy, critical, bossy. The point being, maybe the younger brother that ran away to the far land was just sick and tired of being around his older brother who was perfect and he let everybody know it maybe he was just sick and tired and turned off by being part of this family and he's like i i just don't want to be around that kind of critical judgy person that's unloving that's harsh that's condescending that's critical that's condemning There's a lot of literature being written right now about the nuns and the duns. 
the nuns and the duns. They're saying that the younger generation is filled with nuns. They have no religious affiliation. None. They've grown up in families that they didn't go to church. They didn't have a personal faith tradition. They're nuns. But they're saying now that this next generation coming up are the duns. I'm done with church. I'm done with older brother Christianity. I'm done with when I look at Christians and I go, I don't want to be like that. I don't like them. And I can tell they don't like me. That there's a generation coming up under us that are done with us, with church, with older brother version of Christian faith. And maybe just a reminder, you know this, but the vision of Jesus, the vision of Jesus for your life is not the older brother. His vision is not for you to become more religious. It's not for you to become a greater kind of dutiful slave. It's for you to become more... Now, you fill in the blank. I think the word is loving. Francis Schaeffer wrote a book called The Mark of a Christian. I read it when I was in college. It shaped my life. The mark. What's the mark of a Christian? Only one word. Love. What does that mean, the fruit of the Spirit? If God's Spirit is at work in me, I am becoming not like the elder brother. I'm moving away from that. I'm becoming more loving. I'm becoming more joyful, more peaceful, more patient, more kind, more gentle, right? So I want to just ask you to look around at your relationships. Just right now, just kind of do a gut check. Your family, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, are they running towards you? Or are they running from you? Are they moving closer? Or are they moving away? Are they dropping out of your life or dropping into your life? And again, here's my question. Why not right here, right now, invite God to transform your most important relationships? Your relationship with God and your relationship with your family members that maybe you're alienated from? Because living with a wounded spirit hurts us relationally. And if you're living with strained relationships, fractured relationships, uncomfortable relationships, if they don't want to come visit you, <laughs> or you don't want to go visit them, deal with the hurt. Who hurt you? Who hurt them? It's a powerful reflective question. Why not ask God to use you right here, right now today to be a peacemaker? a reconciler in your family, a forgiver. No matter what, a forgiver. There's freedom in forgiveness, a unifier. All right, last point. Living, living, living with a wounded spirit hurts us spiritually. Obviously, this elder brother had issues with the father. You never threw me a party. He's disappointed and hurt. I slaved for you. Bitterness and resentment. I never refused to do anything you told me to do. I obeyed your orders. He feels unappreciated. 
And I just believe in a crowd like this, we have somebody here who's saying, you know what, that's me. I've been the reliable, church-going, Bible-reading, tithing Christian who's mostly obedient in the Ten Commandments. But if I'm honest, I'm still trying to control God and others. I'm a controlling person. I do feel smarter, more enlightened, and better than others. And today, the question for you is, are you willing or unwilling to admit that you are just as lost as those you look down on? You are just as lost. Do you, do you understand now why the audience that Jesus was speaking to was infuriated with him? Don't get mad at me. This is Jesus. He's saying, you are equally as lost, people. I love this quote from G.K. Chesterton. He's written a book called Orthodoxy that is really worth reading. I remember when I came to Santa Barbara that Santa Barbara Community Church, the Jolly Brothers, they had everybody in their church read Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. That was part of their culture. And here's a quote. It says, When a newspaper posed the question, What's wrong with the world? The Catholic thinker G.K. Chesterton wrote a brief letter in response. Now I'm going to stop right there. I wonder what you how you would respond. What's wrong with the world? What would be your response if you were to write a letter to the editor, or a, a, an opinion piece? Here's what G.K. Chesterton wrote. He said, I am. That's what he wrote. I am what's wrong with this world. Sincerely yours, G.K. Chesterton. <laughs> And here's Tim Keller's response to that. This is the attitude of someone who has grasped the message of Jesus. If you cannot say that you, not the person next to you, not the person on the other side of the aisle, you are what's wrong with this world, the implication is you have yet to grasp the true meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you don't need him. And so, I want to just speak, and then I'm done, just one quick word to those of you who might be resistant this morning to come to God because you're part of the done crowd. Somehow you're here, but you're done. You're done with the older brothers you see in the church. You actually are here and you're like, I actually want to connect with the God that I'm hearing about in this story, but I'm confused because I know Christians and I don't really like them and I definitely don't want to be like them. Our world is filled with these kind of duns today and you might be here and you might even be picking up the vibe that those Pharisees, those older brothers in our world in churches across America they don't really like you either. And so here's my word for you. Don't let the older brother determine your destiny. Don't let the older brother 
But when you look at it, I don't want to be like that, if that's what it means. Don't let that deter. Focus on Jesus. Look at Jesus. These two testimonies. Look at Jesus and follow him. Follow him. That's what the New Testament is all about. Jesus said, follow me. So, I'm going to have you close your eyes for a moment. Just bow your head where you are. Close your eyes. I want you to know, I find it interesting that this parable, the way that it ends is unresolved. We never know if the older brother comes back into the house. We're left to ponder, does the older brother come to the party? Will he enter the father's house? And let's just all own that there's an older brother in every one of us. And my question to you is, are you willing to re-enter the house? God the Father loves you. He says, everything I have is yours. He's pleading with you this morning to come to the party, to let go of the judgment, to let go of the condescending, critical, caustic spirit, And to come to the party and celebrate grace, we all need it. We all need it. We all need it. And so you get to write your story as an older brother. Are you going to come into the house? Or are you going to stay outside stubbornly refusing to come to the party that that God has for us? A party of forgiveness and grace and mercy. It's available to every one of us. And if that's you, if you're ready to come into the house... I'm going to invite you to stand and sing this song together. If you're you're like, no, I don't want to come to the party. I want to stay outside. That's fine. You you don't have to stand up and sing. Um, But let me pray. Father, right now, we're going to come to the altar. We're going to come to you, Father, because we love you. We're going to stand and sing because we want to say yes. We want to say, yes, we believe you're working on our hearts right now, that you want us to be unifiers, peacemakers, reconcilers, not gatekeepers, not better than. But God, we confess, I am what's wrong with this world, and I need you to do a healing work. Heal my wounded spirit. Heal my wounded heart. Touch it and transform it so that I can be an instrument of your love in this world. That's what... I want, I know that's what you want for every person today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing. re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the watch and listen page on oceanhills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.